Welcome into NSN Daily. Chris Murray, Anthony Resnick directing behind the scenes. I'm Brian Samudio. Thanks for joining us here on the show. A uh, lot to talk about once again today. Chris will continue his preseason profiles of scholarship athletes for Nevada men's basketball. This time we'll get into the uh, front court and uh, Robbie Robinson. Uh, Mountain West women's basketball poll has come out. We'll tell you where Nevada's picked to finish. Todd DeRemer from the Rail City Alehouse will join us and pick a few NFL games with us. And They've got some great specials this week, some free stuff. And how about half price like Chopino and wine dinner going on is what he's telling me. I'm going to have to put him to the fire on that. Bet or no bet is this, uh, it happens on Thursdays as well. And golf tips with Shannon Kelly. So Chris, there's nothing to talk about. And that's not even our lead story. Jalen Harris, man. You know what? I'm so stoked for this kid. Picked in the second round by the Toronto Raptors in the NBA draft on Wednesday. Uh, Chris, when I saw this come across the screen, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And down to the wire. I mean, the second to last pick in the draft, so I'm sure he was sweating it out. But I think it's huge that he got picked. This is not a traditional year. So you don't have a summer league to go through. You don't have a traditional training camp to try and earn a roster spot if you're an undrafted free agent. So I think the investment of using a draft pick on him, when we're talking about the season starting in almost a month, that's how truncated everything is, I think is huge for Jalen. I think it's a great pick by the Raptors. It's pretty funny that they had drafted San Diego State's Malachi Flynn in the first round. So you're talking about the two best players in the Mountain West last year joining the Raptors in the same season. And I, uh, you look at the roster, and I think it sets up well for Jalen. Uh, you know, Toronto has nine guaranteed contracts for next year. Um, so, you know, 15 uh, active roster spots, uh, you know, they have cap holds on a number of players as well. But I think there's definitely a route for him to make the team. Uh, you know, they're pretty deep in the backcourt. Uh, that's a pretty strong suit of their team. But he's also joining the second best team in the NBA last year based on regular season records. So he's going to be around really good players. Uh, Kyle Lowry, obviously a great player. Uh, Fred Van Fleet has really turned himself into a great player at that position of guard. So, um, you know, he might not be stepping into immediate playing time or something like that, but he's going to be mentored really well. Uh, the investment is there by using a draft pick on him. And then you throw on to that, the fact that there are some open roster spots. And I think it's a, it's a really good situation for him. And um, I think it was probably a huge sigh of relief just to hear his name called because he was literally two picks away from just falling into that player pool of undrafted free agent. And from there, uh, the road is pretty tough to make an NBA roster. I agree with it completely. When I looked at this and really started delving into the details of the roster in Toronto, and I'm not going to ever claim that I'm an expert of the Toronto Raptors deep roster um but looking at him I'm like this lays out nice and he's got the marketing chip of I was your second round draft pick and that investment you know and and honestly it, it really has to make him feel vindicated that he took this chance in the middle of a pandemic to bet on himself he left Nevada early and I appreciate when we talked about this uh, with Jalen earlier in the week I appreciate the fact that Nevada fans praised him for making this decision there i didn't see anything negative about it pack fans were like go get your dream go do this and he gets selected and with malachi flynn so you got a point guard and a shooting guard you've got and you've got a shooting guard who has some great handle as well but i i think this the vindication for jalen harris of the journey he's gone through you know louisiana tech having to sit out one just maybe one of the top three seasons ever by a player at Nevada. And that's a huge thing to say, considering who has worn the silver and blue. But to be able to kind of wake up this morning and you go, I did it. I can only imagine how he feels this morning waking up in Texas. And I'll be curious to see where he ends up playing. Obviously, they're the Toronto Raptors, but we saw 
Toronto baseball team playing in Buffalo this year. There's been a lot of discussion about uh, Toronto potentially playing at Tampa Bay just because of COVID-19 and Canada's doing a much better job and they don't necessarily want, uh, you know, people kind of filtering into their country. So, uh, you know, there's still a lot to be determined. But as you mentioned, I mean, he did not have an easy path. This was a guy who coming out of high school wasn't a big, big recruit. He wasn't uh, on the top AAU teams. Uh, you know, he was actually on his first AAU team. He was on the third uh, version of that team, the third tier, and he was a backup. Uh, he broke his back, some vertebrae in his back uh, during his senior season of high school and was kind of knocked down uh, the recruiting ladder. Uh, Three-star recruit, goes to Louisiana Tech, not a national prospect, a couple uh, good years there, transfers to Nevada to play for Eric Musselman. Eric Musselman leaves him. Uh, you know, Jalen thought about, you know, I probably want to transfer too, but he would have had to sit out a year. Uh, has a spectacular year under Steve Alford, now put himself in this position. So, um, yeah, he's definitely had a very hard, hard path and uh, becomes the sixth player uh, from Nevada to be an early entry to get drafted into the NBA draft. And the 16th player overall, I think that's a huge thing for Nevada. I mean, to think that they've had 16 players drafted as a mid-major program over the years. Uh, you go back to 2004 when Kirk Snyder turned pro. And, um, you know, if Jalen does end up playing an NBA game, they're going to be almost a dozen players uh, just in the last 15 years from Nevada who's uh, become an NBA player. So a huge feather in the cap of the Wolfpack as well. The Mountain West overall had a really good draft. They had four players selected. Uh, in addition to Flynn and Harris, they had Justinian Jessup, who was the 51st pick overall to the Warriors. And then uh, Sam Merrill from Utah State was the 60th pick. So the Mountain West had the last two picks. So that tied for the fourth most among any conference in the nation. So just a, a good night all around. And it was right on the verge of being a horrible night and people saying yeah. you should have stayed and what a horrible decision. And now you're not going to make it. And uh, like, like we said, you just need that one team. And then the Raptors, uh, you know, they, they saw something in Jalen that we've seen uh, that makes them believe that he can be a good NBA player. Yeah. It's uh, it's exciting for, for the conference to maybe try and get back to that national notoriety that it had, uh, you know, five, six years ago where, four or five teams made it to the NCAA tournament out of the Mountain West. And, and the perception of, of, of a committee, if you're the NCAA committee and you perceive, okay, this is a good basketball conference, it becomes true. Then you get selections, you know, so that, that, that's, that's a good thing just overall. A uh, bad thing for the Mountain West conference is that we saw two football games canceled yesterday because of COVID, and that includes uh, Nevada's younger sibling to the South. Yeah, UNLV's had some issues, so their game has been canceled. Uh, and then Utah State had some issues, so their game uh, has been canceled. Colorado State's now lost two games, and both time it was the opponent that had issues. So the UNLV-Colorado State game and then the Utah State-Wyoming game. But Colorado State and Wyoming are a huge rivalry game, and both those programs seem to be in pretty good shape right now. They've already played this year. Again. They, maybe they do a Pac-12 and they match those two up for this this week. And I think the, I mean, it's not good. I mean, when you have two of your six games canceled, but I think the, the best thing is that you haven't seen the top tier of the Mountain West affected yet. You look at San Jose State, Nevada, Boise State, San Diego State, uh, Fresno State. Those are your top five teams in record. They've been unaffected. They haven't had to lose a game so far. So um, if there's a silver lining, it's that. But we are entering the fifth week of games in the Mountain West. And four of those five weeks, the Mountain West has lost at least one game. So, you know, kind of to be expected, uh, you know, the last year or last week, I think there were 15 games in the FBS that were canceled. Uh, we're up to almost 10 this week. So as bad as I thought this was going to go, I think it actually might be going worse in terms of cancellations as we move forward. And there's been talk about do they have to move the college football playoff back? So, um, yeah, certainly not ideal, but from a local perspective, I mean, Nevada's done a very good job. Uh, you know, they expect to get Julian Diaz, their punter back, who'd missed the last couple of games with that issue. So, 
Um, they haven't they haven't been hit that hard. And a lot of that, you know, some of it's luck for sure, but a lot of that is just like, uh, adhering to your protocols and making sure that you're putting team before self and not going out to parties, not doing stupid things that could potentially put yourself in harm. So yeah, the Mountain West has had a rough ride so far, but uh, you know, at least they are on track to finish their season and the top teams aren't being impacted. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see the discipline that, that is going on behind closed doors. And, and you're seeing which teams have been able to be disciplined or have just had you know, maybe some blind luck and have, have, have been able to avoid this thing. Um, talking about San Diego State, and we get these emails daily from the Mountain West Conference. Every single time I get one now, I'm like, uh, please tell me it's not a cancellation. But um, as, as of right now, we're still expecting – 12.30 p.m. at Mackey Stadium with in front of 50 fans, Nevada against San Diego State. The one thing we don't know is who's San Diego State going to play at quarterback. And you use the word coy, and I love that because San Diego State has been very coy about who's going to start for them behind center. Yeah, San Diego State coach uh, Brady Hoke on Tuesday has his press conference, and he was probably asked like seven different ways who's starting. And he never, he never like, he wasn't mean about it. He just never gave an answer to that question. So their starter incumbent is Carson Baker. He started all five games so far this season. Uh, last week, they beat Hawaii 34 to 10, but Carson went four of 13 for 30 yards and two interceptions. Uh, not very often your quarterback does that and you win by 24 points over a pretty solid opponent. So that shows you how good San Diego State is outside of that quarterback position. My guess is Carson Baker sitting this game and they're going to put in Lucas Johnson. So Lucas Johnson originally committed to San Diego State out of high school. He ended up decommitting. He went to Georgia Tech. He played there a couple of years, had a lot of injuries, so he never became a full-time starter. Graduate transfer back to San Diego State before this year. He has two years of eligibility. A much more run-oriented quarterback. He had one series in the Hawaii game, he led them on a nine-minute uh, drive that went 16 plays. He didn't actually throw a pass, but he had three runs for 44 yards. So um, it, they're very different quarterbacks. A lot of times the coaches will say, you know, it doesn't really matter because they're going to do the same thing. Uh, Carson Baker and Lucas Johnson, very different quarterbacks. Lucas had a bit of an arm issue uh, in training camp, and that's what kind of held him back from being the starter. Wouldn't be surprised if you see both, but if I had to put my money on it, you're probably looking at Lucas Johnson, and this is the biggest area where Nevada has an advantage. I'm still flopping back and forth on who I'm going to pick to win this game, um, but of late, I'm kind of leaning Nevada just because they're going to be so much better at quarterback than San Diego State. I think San Diego State has a lot of advantages in other areas, uh, but their quarterback play has just been poor, not, not only this year, really for the last decade. For as good as this program's been, a regular 10-win team, They've won four Mountain West championships in the last eight years. They just have never had that stud quarterback. And that's the case again this year. That's kind of the weakness, the one uh, vulnerability, the kryptonite to this roster is they just are not elite at quarterback. They're not even average this year. So it'll be interesting to see which route San Diego State goes, but I think they're going to make a change heading into this one. Now, the only thing I will touch on too is that Nevada has shown that it is susceptible to a running quarterback this year. So if you get somebody out there who suddenly is deciding to pull it down and take off, Nevada's defense so far this season has shown that there have been times when a running quarterback can burn them a little bit. 12.30 p.m. It's on the National Network. It will be on CBS on Saturday. Well, full coverage, of course, on uh, Wolfpack All Access on Sunday night. And of course, on our sister station, News 4 and NevadaSportsNet.com. Coming up next, Robbie Robinson. We'll go through his profile of scholarship athletes at the University of Nevada Men's Basketball Program. That's next. Welcome back to NSN Daily. Chris's profiles of uh, Nevada men's basketball players that are scholarship players continues. This time around, we'll go to the front court and Robbie Robinson. Chris, we, we saw some, some really good flashes with Robbie last year, his first year with the program. And I, I think his role is probably going to expand this year. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, he was Nevada's best defensive player last year. When he was on the court, opponents scored 0.94 points per possession. That was the best of any Wolfpack player. Obviously, he can play power forward, but he showed a little versatility to go and uh, defend out on the perimeter, to defend, uh, you know, centers, six foot eight, you know, pretty sturdy body for sure, pretty athletic. He didn't give you much on offense, though. So there were 2,226 qualified Division One players last season. He had the 14th lowest usage rate. So that's taking a free throw, taking a field goal, or having a turnover. That's what uh, usage rate is basically considered. So a lot of times, Nevada was kind of playing four on five on offense when Robbie was out there. 20 of the 31 games, he had two points or fewer. But he's a much more talented offensive player than that. I think uh, his role was just what it was last year because Nevada had so much talent in the backcourt. And they just wanted somebody to defend in the front court. You go back to his one year at junior college ball, he averaged 15 points per game, shot 45% from the field, shot 40% from three on a pretty good amount of attempts. So he definitely has more offensive game that he didn't show last year. And I think that's the biggest area for growth for him. Can he go out there and at least be somewhat of a threat? You saw him take a number of, you know, 15 to 18 foot jumpers early in the season and they weren't falling. So he kind of stopped doing that. But um, you know, he's a much more talented offensive player than we saw last season, and they're going to be asking the front court to score a lot more this season. So can he go from scoring two points a game up to maybe seven or eight points a game to go with seven or eight rebounds? And will he be able to hold on to that starting role? I think it comes down to between him and Zane Meeks. You didn't see Nevada play those two together very much last season. Maybe they do this year, but those are really your two options at power forward. And obviously Zane much better on offense, but has a little bit more vulnerability on defense, kind of a mere opposite player of what Robbie gives you. Well, do you see this as being part of the Steve Alford, Craig Neal developmental program? I mean, we heard Coach Alford in his first year say, well, year one, we want this guy to learn defense. And then we're going to learn offense. And we're going to move in and building blocks into a player. Do you think this offseason now Coach Alford has gone, all right, Robbie, and that Midwestern voice and kind of half plank, I need you to put the ball in the basket now a little bit. I mean, do you see him developing that way? And I think Robbie wants to show that he can do that, right? Like he was a willing defender last year, but this is not a guy who came here with no offensive skills. Like he has a good shot. You know, he has uh, ability to score in the post. So I think he's thinking, you know, I did what the team needed last year and I was happy doing that. But, you know, I believe that I can be a better contributor in both uh, facets of playing basketball. So I do think you'll see improvement on the offensive end. I know he's been banged up a little bit this offseason, nothing major in terms of injury. He has missed a little bit of time. Um, but yeah, he's going to be a much more well-averse player, much more versatile player. But uh, as we've mentioned, that front court is deep, though. I mean, you got five guys who can legitimately claim that they should be starting. So how are you going to sort out those two? And I think that's good because it drives the competition. It makes them play better uh, if they want to get those minutes. And Robbie, one of only two guys to start every game last year was him and Lindsey Drew. So clearly this coaching staff trusts him when he's out there on the floor and, uh, you know, liked what he did last year. And I think I think he will be one of those guys that takes a nice step forward this season and is a better player than what we saw last year if you want chris's full write-up on robbie robinson and uh, all of the scholarship athletes for the nevada men's basketball program uh, go to the website that's nevadasportsnet.com i can't wait to see your next one because this is an exciting player coming in grant sherfeld uh coming in and there's there's just so many unknowns with him but i watch him on tape and i'm like i like what this guy can do but it's like okay where where's he gonna fit what kind of a role is he gonna have uh, just a preview of the preview of Grant. 
And he's a captain. I think that's a huge thing. This is a first-year guy that came here over the summer, and he's one of three captains on this team, the only one who wasn't on the roster last year. I think that tells you a ton about how the other players perceive him, not only as a player, but just as a person. I know we had him on our show as a Wolfpack Athlete of the Month. Seemed like a very charismatic, fun-loving guy as well. So I think Nevada's expecting a lot out of Grant this year, as they should. Since we're talking Wolfpack Athlete of the Month, uh, we're going to be taping that segment next week. We have not planned it out, but I have a feeling I know who you're going to select, and she's a young lady from Minnesota. Yeah, I think you set a national uh, record. You're you're allowed to be the athlete of the month. Tierney Wolfgram, and it would actually be her second NSN Daily interview, and she hasn't run an event for the Wolfpack, which also would be a record. So if we can make the schedules line up, I think that's the uh, the person I'll be shooting for for this week. Absolutely. I can't wait to see what she can do in, in a Wolfpack uniform. Um, Mountain West Conference women's basketball poll has, has been announced, and – Nevada not getting a ton of respect, but you kind of have to understand it considering uh, the turnover and, and what's happened with that program. Yeah, they were picked to finish 10th out of 11 teams in the Mountain West preseason poll, one spot ahead of UNLV, uh, one spot behind Utah State. So, uh, you know, it's it's probably going to be a rebuilding season. Uh, the schedule did come out. It's a little bit softer. So, um, you know, just a lot of transition when you lose your top three scorers, when you have the kind of transfers that Nevada had, I think they're trying to get their culture right and build this thing for the long term. Um, so not the best result, but of course, this doesn't mean anything. It's a preseason poll. And one cool note, uh, Mallory McGuire, the Reno high graduate was named to the all Mountain West preseason team. She's at Boise State now, six foot five center, uh, played really, really well at the end of last year. She transferred in from Oregon. Um, so one of the best players in the league uh, right here from Reno, unfortunately not playing for the Wolfpack. The Wolfpack did try to get her. They got her on an official visit, but ended up going to Boise State and uh, one of the top players in the Mountain West. So it'll be fun to watch her play as well. Uh, one of the McGuire girls, of course, uh, uh, if you don't know, that's uh, the daughter of Dan McGuire, who's, of course, related to the Mark McGuire. But uh, uh, this story actually coming to us uh, right here in the middle of the show, uh, Romeo Dubs has been uh, uh, added to the Boletnikov Award watch list. Um, my first thought is he wasn't on it already. Uh, I, apparently he wasn't on it already, even though Dubs is, is leading the nation in receiving yards per game. Um First off, just your your reaction to this. I mean, we have watch lists come through all the time, but Boletnikov is that's a big list. Yeah, I mean, that's a really cool one. That goes to the best receiver in college football. Uh, Jane Norvell is really good friends with Fred Belitnikov because they coached uh, with the Raiders together. Yeah, he was not on that, that preseason watch list. Elijah Cooks did make it from Nevada, so maybe Nevada pushed Elijah because he was coming off a better season. Unfortunately, Elijah's season didn't last very long. He had to have that shoulder surgery uh, after the season opener. But, I mean, more than deserving. I mean, he could be a finalist. The last time Nevada had a finalist, for one of these national awards, you got to go back to 2002 when Nate Burleson was one of three finalists for the Bolitnikoff Award. So he could potentially put himself in pretty elite group in terms of being a finalist for one of the major, major awards uh, for college football. But at this point, can you say that there's been a better receiver in, in college? I mean, some people might have a little bit better stats if you just look at the overall because they played more games. But dude's averaging 160 receiving yards a game and two touchdowns per game. So, um, yeah, he's a, a late addition, but certainly a deserving one. Well, then that puts me into the question I was going to ask, and I'm saving it for now, is realistically, can he win that award? I mean, Nevada has had receivers. Trevor Inslee went for over 2,000 yards and you know barely got a sniff when it comes to this sort of thing. I mean, he was honored, but it, you know, he didn't win the Boletnikoff Award. What Can Nevada realistically have somebody win one of these? I mean, I, people ask me, oh, do you think Carson could win the Heisman? No, I don't think he can because there's such a national bias 
and they're not playing the same competition as an Oklahoma or a Florida or a Miami or a Texas. Yeah, the Heisman's a little far-fetched. I mean, even in 2010, finished eighth, uh, and he was remarkable. I mean, he set so many records, and Nevada was a top-10 team that year. So, um, you know, I, I don't. I think that's out of reach, but I think these smaller awards, sure. Like Brandon Talton and the Lou Groza, I think that could happen down the road. Maybe even this year, hasn't missed a kick. Um, you know, hasn't had as many, like, game-winning kicks, which is usually a big thing. But, I mean, Romeo is on pace, if Nevada gets to a Mountain West Championship game and plays in a bowl, for 1,600 yards and 20 touchdowns. Like, at that point it's hard to deny that player. And you have seen, I think at wide receiver more than any position, you've seen a lot of group of five uh, receivers go out and win those big awards because they can put up these huge numbers and kind of these uh, funner uh, pass first offenses. So I think it's realistic. I mean, it's going to be exceptionally hard to do so, but uh, I would not be shocked if you saw a, a Wolfpack player win one of these at some point. And, you know, Romeo's definitely making a run at it for sure. I would love to see it happen because, you know, it's, especially this year with, all the challenges outside of just trying to get a schedule together and play football. He, he's been spectacular. And, and of course, a lot of that credit goes back to the guy throwing the ball, Carson Strong. Coming up next year on NSN Daily, Todd DeReamer from the Rail City Ale House and Rail City Casino will join us to pick some NFL games and tell us about some of their specials this weekend. That's coming up. The following segment is sponsored by Rail City Ale House. It is Thursday. That means we check in with Todd from uh, Rail City Casino, Rail City Alehouse NFL Picks. And uh, Todd, I'm liking the uh, the motif, man. I mean, you got the Flyers lamp, you got the Vikings lamp. Everybody knows you're a Vikings fan. Yeah. We, we, maybe we'll talk about the Vikings here in a second. But uh, uh, last time we talked to you, you were trying. You're starting to move, which sucks. Nobody likes yeah. it. Yeah, so I got I got moved, and obviously then now my office picked up a couple of the things from my home office. I have my Adrian Peterson helmet back there, and then I have my Flyers lamp. Big Flyers fan. Good stuff. Good stuff. I'll dive right in, and uh, let's start off with maybe the game of the week: the Chiefs at the Raiders. And the Raiders have made Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs actually look human. Chiefs minus seven in this one. Yeah, I like uh, I like the Raiders getting the seven. Um, at home, I like them to, uh, to produce. Hopefully Carr can uh, throw some deep balls this time and Gruden will get aggressive. But I think Gruden really wants to make the sweep, right? I, picking them to win might be a stretch, but I like the points on this one. And I also like the under 57. Chris, uh, this is a chance for the Raiders to show that their first time out against the Chiefs wasn't a fluke and that they're contenders. Yeah, I'm going to go on the other side of Todd. I don't like giving up a touchdown or more as a road team against a quality playoff caliber team, but it seems like the Chiefs are super pissed about this whole situation. Uh, you know, they were talking about how the Raiders were doing circles around their stadium after they beat them. They're talking about this is as important as their Super Bowl last year. So I think there's so much vitriol coming into this game from the Chiefs. Um, it doesn't mean that they're going to go out and blow out the Raiders, which are still a quality team, but I just think that extra bit of motivation uh, would probably put me on the Chiefs side, even though it, it's a dicey situation when you're giving up a touchdown as a road team against a quality opponent. So I will go Chiefs on this one, though. Why would you give the defending Super Bowl champs a reason to be mad at you? They have so many weapons. I mean, come on, don't give them a reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, let's go to Packers at the Colts. Colts minus two in this one over is about 51, 51 and a half. Todd? I like, I like the Packers on this one. Um, I think the running game is going to come out and actually pick it up a little bit this week, which will take a little weight off of Rodgers. And uh, hopefully he can hit a couple deep balls at the same time and 
and they'll take care of business. Chris, what are you feeling? I'm going the opposite way again. I like this. We, we were uh, in complete agreement last week. I just think the Colts defense might be the most underrated unit in all of the uh, NFL. I don't think people understand, uh, you know, just your average fan, how good that Colts defense has been uh, this season. Uh, obviously, they went to Tennessee and dominated on the road with, uh, you know, a Thursday game last week. So they got a little bit extra time in preparation for this game. So uh, big Aaron Rodgers fan, but I am going to take the Colts at home in this one. Colts with a little extra time. And yeah, that, that defense was impressive to me. When you can bottle up Derrick Henry and and the, and the Titans like that, I didn't see that one coming. But then again, my picks have been so 2020 this year. It's great that I have an excuse like that. I can go, oh, my picks were so 2020. Yeah. Uh, how about the Titans at the Ravens? Ravens minus six and a half over under. We're looking at 49, Todd. I like uh, the Ravens at home. I think Lamar is going to come out big. Uh, go, go with some deep balls. His accuracy has been a little light um, on the deep balls, but I think he's going to get it together at home this weekend. I also like the over 49 and a half on this one. Christopher. Yeah, I was leaning Ravens, and I guess I want to agree with Todd on one of these. So I will go Ravens as well. The Titans have fallen yeah. off a little bit the last couple of games. I do want to ask Todd, what's been up with Lamar Jackson? He hasn't been the MVP that we saw last year. He hasn't been bad by any means, but certainly he's taken a step back in his caliber of play. Yeah, I think um, last year was maybe extraordinary for him. And then now he's back down a little bit to normal performance. And and now we're expecting more. But I think he'll get it back. I, I wonder to the same extent, and we saw this with Cap when Kaepernick was shining with the 49ers, is that teams suddenly kind of learned how to defend him a little bit better. You know, you saw teams, literally the Kansas City Chiefs hired Chris Alt as an advisor to figure out how to stop the pistol offense. So you know, the NFL teams, obviously, professional franchises are always adjusting as it is, but I still think Lamar is, 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 a, is a great quarterback. But, yeah, he has certainly statistically taken a step behind. But at the same time, you don't know if a guy's banged up. You don't know if a guy is hurt, maybe fighting a nagging injury. It's really not incre incredibly transparent, Patriots, when it comes to uh, injuries in the National Football League. All right, Todd, we got time. Let's go Cowboys at your Vikings, Minnesota, minus seven, over at 48. I like the Vikings in this one, obviously, even even minus a touchdown. Um, I think the defense is going to have a big day. I'm predicting three turnovers this weekend, a couple picks, and maybe even a fumble. I think uh, if that props out there, I would take it. Um, again, I'll take the cook running. I'm guessing he's going to be over 90 uh, on the line this week. Uh, he did cover last week, but just barely, right? He just made it. But, uh, but yeah, I think Cook picks up a little bit more this week compared to last week. The Bears shut him down pretty good. Chris, I love how Todd goes into specifics. I predict three turnovers, two interceptions, uh, one fumble. You know what I'm going to predict? Weather will not be a factor in Minnesota. I mean, he's been riding that Dalvin Cook train. And, yeah, just short of 100 yards last week, 96 against the Bears is pretty good. Um, so I'm going to ride it with them. I'll go with the Vikings. Uh, ever since he's come on the show, the Vikings have been spectacular. Three straight wins against NFC North opponents. And now they get a Cowboys team that's one of the worst in the NFL. Now, Cowboys did play pretty well. I mean, they, they gave a fight to the Steelers not too long ago. So kudos for that. But um, I, I'm with Todd on this one. I'll go with the Vikings. Uh, I like them in this game. All right, Todd, Niners have a bye this week. Uh, what's going on at the Rail City Alehouse if folks want to come down and watch some football? So New Rail City, we're always updating stuff. If you come down, you'll happen to notice that we're actually in the process of painting our sign outside, just updating the building, updating the sign for the New Rail City. Um, we have a new program. We've always had the, the richest uh, new program for gamblers. And so we'll give you 20 times points for 30 days when you walk through the door. 
we've just added tier matching. So whatever level you card you are at a competitor, you bring in the value card, we'll put you right at that status with us from day one. And you'll get all the perks from being a platinum card member or whatever it is that you are at another property. So you walk in, you get multipliers and you get the status that you have at another property. No, no reason really not to try us out at that point. Well, I mean, look at the group you're talking to here. I mean, tell me about beer and tell me about food specials. I mean, what, what, it's the Rail City Ale House. What are you pouring? All right, so, so the Rail City Ale House, you know, we always have the $5 ribs. Um, smell them cooking, walking in this morning. It's just a great thing when you smell that stuff. And then it comes to the Coors Light. We have a $1.50 Coors Light draft, but we have something that is unique to the Ale House that most people don't know. You being from San Francisco, you might like this. So we have our very own Chipino recipe here. And it is uh, one of the best Chipinos I've had um, this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's normally $17. We're doing it $9.99. So you can't beat that price. It, the seafood that's in there is amazing. We actually have crab legs in the shell in the bottom of the Chipino. So really good. And then we're going to, away from beer, we're going to pair it up with some, some Zinfandel wine. Um, what I told my wife, I was having this special. She said, well, you got to have wine with it. So we're going to do a seven deadly Zins wine and we're going to do that for 18 bucks. It's normally 31. So come on down, have some wine in Chipino cold weather makes sense to, you know, hit that Chipino with the bread and then hit a little red wine at the same time. Chris, are you a Chipino guy? He, he makes me hungry every time we, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I always want to just go and have some food right now. I know we got to finish, yeah. Home, but yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to eat. <laughs> Yeah. You guys are always giving stuff away too. I mean, a few shows ago, you were giving away knives. You were giving mm -hmm. away, are there any specials this week or no? Yeah, this, this Saturday, we actually have a velvet thrower given away to casino customers. So um, casino customers get it for free. If you sign up for the card, not only do you get the tier matching, the 20 times points, earn 750 points, you'll get the velvet throw also. So free stuff, half off Chipino and wine and football. Uh, if you uh, if you're not a fan of that, I don't know why you're watching this show. You ought to be watching hey. something else. Todd with the Rail City Casino and the Rail City Ale House. Appreciate the time, man. Thanks very much. And uh, like I said, way to thank you. Thank you for making Chris and I look like slobs because you always look you're always dressed <laughs> nice. And I love the background, man. Looking good. All right. Thanks. Have a good weekend. All right. Well, much more coming up here on NSN Daily after the break. Shannon Kelly will join us with a little golf tip coming from Toyopi Golf Club in Washoe Valley. That's next. Welcome back to another edition of Golf Tips brought to us by our friends over at Capital Glass. Joined alongside Trevor Curry, the assistant golf pro at Toyabi Golf Club. Trevor, we had our setup, our backswing, our takeaway. We're almost there, right? Almost. Halfway What's next? There. Next, we're going to be going over the downswing and follow through. And that's how you get the power on the ball and get it in the air. Almost. Let's go. When you get set up, when you're at the top of the backswing, you'll feel a nice stretch. You have that good rotation in your hips. And then to start the downswing, you start rotating your hips, getting your weight onto your left side, and drop those hands into that inside to out swing path. Extend through the ball nicely. Get all the way up to that really nice, pretty finish like you see on TV with your belt buckle or uh, shorts button facing your target. And I'll try to demonstrate one here. Finish nice and high and enjoy the view. <laughs> All right, so go ahead, remember the grip we talked about. Okay. 
your nice setup, shoulder width apart with your feet. That ball's in the middle of your stance. Okay. And then that, remember that nice low, easy swing on the back? And then rotate your hips through, drop those hands inside, nice extension. Try to get that belt buckle facing your target. Not bad, not bad. Didn't get much air on it that time, but. A little work to do, but that's why we're out here doing lessons. All right, let's try one more. I'll set you up here. Bang. Woo. All right, well, I think I'm getting the hang of it just a little bit. Yep, we're gonna work on short game next. Very important part of golf. All right, we'll see you next time on Golf Tips. Dan and Kelly now joining us uh, after that uh, piece on the golf tips down at Toyabi. Downswing, follow through. This is not like a softball swing for you, Shan, is it? Not even close. Not even close. And I think that's the toughest part because I want to put so much juice into it. And then when the ball barely goes, you know, 10 feet and it's not in the air at all, I get no air on it. I'm like, what is happening? Because in softball, you know, obviously you're taught to hit the ball as hard as you can. And that is the complete opposite here. So, uh, yeah, that was a tough one. I mean, I did get some, as you guys saw there off the ground and got them in the air a little bit, but I think it's tough too, because you're at the driving range and it looks so good. But then once you go out onto the course itself, uh, the outcome is different than that. <laughs> you guys obviously have gone over a lot of things during these golf tips. Was there one that you think stood out more than any other and just improving your game, just one specific tip, um, you know, that kind of pushed you forward or kind of you, you grasp a little bit quicker than maybe some of the others? I think the, one of the bigger ones was just keeping the same tempo as you're going back on that, uh, on the, on your backswing and then to your downswing. So just keeping that tempo, right. Um, it's all muscle memory, but just if, once you have that right tempo, because sometimes I can tell when a swing is better than another. So then I'm like, okay, my tempo felt good on that one. But I think still even just going back to the first set of golf tips, just making sure that my setup is correct too. I think that's also so big because if you don't have your setup correct and your hands locked, how we were talking about that, then you're not going to be set up for success either. Yeah. You talk about uh, driving range to tee box, how the game changes. I mean, that's like batting cages to get, you know, getting in the box, or the batter's box. I mean, I, I can go out and have a great, uh, warm-up session at the uh, at the range and then get out on the course and it's gone i yeah. as i've gotten older i don't warm up all that much i literally <laughs> don't leave shots on the range I, I come up and i'll try and take a few swings and, and that's it more of what i practice is is putting i mean and we're we're not getting into putting but that's that's the one thing i think is the short game is the, i still think the most difficult for me what have you found as being a new golfer has been the toughest challenge for you is it around the green or no yeah, I mean, I would say, well, short game, we'll talk about that some more next week because that is our final segment. So we'll get to that. That's been very tough. Um, but yeah, I think even just like different clubs, you know, trying to decide, okay, which club is going to be better than another, depending on where you're at. Um, if then you get into a bunker, like I'm not even close to knowing where, what I'm supposed to do in that type of situation. Exactly. You know, those sand traps, I'm like, now I understand really now when I'm watching, you know, professional golf, why that is so difficult and to, you know, make sure you have the proper sand wedge and then to make sure you're using 
proper irons and the proper drivers and things of that nature. And like we were talking about last time too, just even making sure that you have a set of clubs that is specific for you. I think that's going to be a big thing too. Um, hopefully going forward next season, I'll end up investing in a pair of, or yeah, a set of my own. You've kind of talked about this is really your first year playing on a pretty regular basis. What's been the thing that's been most enjoyable about the game as you try and learn a new sport? I think most enjoyable is just going out and having fun, knowing that there's no pressure to do well. I think, you know, growing up playing sports um, in high school, club ball, you know, collegiately, there's always that pressure to continue to improve. And obviously that's the case here too, but I'm not on such um, a timeline where I was on a team. You know, you have goals to meet, you have certain expectations, whereas I can kind of put this at my own pace. And I feel like I've already improved since I did start back in, April, May, when the golf courses reopened here in town, but not having that pressure of, okay, I have to do this. Whereas I think in the same respect though, that was a good thing because that pushed me to be a better person and um, athlete overall, but not having that, I think is also helping. I, th I think Shannon, I think you're taking it the right way because I, I took up golf right out of playing competitive baseball and I kind of still had the same mentality where if I failed, I got mad. And the older I got, and I think it kind of affects that that's just kind of the way that you are as you age, is that I just stopped taking it as seriously. And I enjoy just being out there and enjoying the time. And then suddenly I found myself playing better. But uh, I, I think that's I think you've already got a better mentality than I had when I was at your age by far. Uh, what's next when it comes to golf tips? Uh, you got one more segment coming. One more segment. Uh, we're going to be working on our short game. This is really tough for me this is a whole nother aspect I mean this is like you know if you're pitching and then hitting I feel like or you're hitting and playing defense it almost just seems like it's a completely different part of the game so um yeah excited to show you guys that one next week yeah Chris I became very good with my foot witch uh early on in uh in, in the golf game but uh, Shannon Kelly joining us with some some golf tips uh down there at Toyabi Shannon appreciate the time thanks guys we'll have much more coming up on NSN Daily right after this Thursday night football and Chris, I mean, we have to be honest. I mean, we have seen some, I don't want to say stinkers matchup wise on Thursday nights, but this one is not one and I'll watch football anywhere. I don't care who's playing Cardinals at the Seahawks uh, six and three versus six and three Seahawks are undefeated at home. The Cardinals are three and one away from Phoenix. Uh, I love this game. Seattle minus three in this one. This is a tough one for me. Uh, Seattle, I would typically go with, but Russell Wilson's really struggled of late. He's had at least three turnovers in three of the last four games, and that started with a game against the Cardinals, so they've previously given him some trouble. But, uh, you know, Seattle at home is usually a pretty safe bet, so I, I will go with the Seahawks. I'll give up the field goal. Um, Kyler Murray, obviously a tremendous quarterback in his second season, but uh, I do like Seattle at home. They actually today, just like a couple minutes ago, changed the name of their field. They went from Century Link to Lumens Field, so I don't know if that's a good omen or a bad omen, but uh, uh, I had to look up the company. It's like a metabol you can track your own metabolism. And I guess that's why they, they buy the naming rights to these things, right? It's because then you have to go look up what the company actually what is. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't I like, do I, I think I have a pretty good metabolism, right? Because I don't eat all that well, and uh, you know, I I can say somewhat slim, but getting back to the game, uh, I think Russell Wilson will get things under order. I think he'll play much better than he has in recent games. And I think he'll, uh, he'll lead the Seahawks to an important victory because that, that division's definitely been tightened up with the, the Seahawks slide of the last couple of games. All right. Just to play devil's advocate, I'll take the other side. Um, I, I probably, if you had told me this 
and said, all right, who do you got? Initially, I would go, yeah, I'll take the Seahawks. I'll argue for the Cardinals and Kyler Murray because they're coming off of a huge win over the Bills, that last-second touchdown pass uh, to see Andre Hopkins. Um, you've got you got guys that are now believing in themselves. I mean, Kyler Murray, nobody believed in him. Everybody's like, well, you know, you ought to play baseball. You really ought to just stick with baseball. And he's always just believed in himself. And I love guys like that, like Jalen Harris. Guys that basically bet on themselves. And I really think the test this time around is going to be on the Seahawks run defense. Can you contain Kyler Murray? And maybe, maybe this is because of being a Niner fan, seeing Kyler Murray run all over my team earlier this season. And he's just, he's, he realizes I am of this NFL elite quarterback level. I can do this, but uh, yeah, you're right. If Russell Wilson plays like Russell Wilson, because he has had an MVP caliber year, he's got like 28 touchdowns, but he has stumbled a little bit in the last few weeks. If he plays the way that he's played, I would take the Seahawks, but you know, I'll take a flyer on this and I'll, I'll, I'll go with Kyler and the, uh, and the Cardinals. Has Kyler Murray developed a lot faster than you thought he would? Yeah. I mean, I remember watching his first game last year against the lions and I was like, this guy can't play in the NFL. He's too short. Like he was yeah. getting all of his passes were getting batted down. He was late on all of his reads. He looked really, really bad. And it's unfair to judge somebody off their first game at the NFL level, but um, you know, he just got better and better and better. I think, uh, you know, the Cardinals got laughed at for hiring Cliff Kingsbury because he wasn't great at Texas Tech. He's been the perfect coach because he knows how to run this offense. Um, he's basically Russell Wilson with, you know, maybe an inch or two shorter. I mean, they're the exact same quarterback in terms of they can run, but I think they want to throw the ball first and foremost. So when they go out to run and they get outside the pocket, they're still looking down the field to gash you for big plays. So uh, it's true, really, really fun quarterbacks to watch. And this is a huge game because you're talking about six and three for both teams. The Rams are also six and three. So three teams top the top tied atop the NFC West. And if the Cardinals win this game because they've already beaten Seattle in overtime, then they have the 2-0 advantage and they have the tiebreakers. So if Kyle Murley wa wants to throw himself into that MVP race and kind of knock Russell Wilson down, you go out and you beat Russell Wilson for a second time. And I think, uh, you know, you'll kind of sew that position up. And yeah, he has been much better than I thought he would be. Um, and he's, he's really, really fun to watch. Now, if you want to check it out, 520 kickoff tonight on our sister station, Fox 11. Like I said, Seattle uh, minus three in this one. Coming up next here on NSN Daily in our final minute is Robinson Cano denied himself a spot in Cooperstown. That'll be next. All right, final minute of the show. Robinson Cano tested positive for uh, performance enhancing drugs, been suspended for the entire next season. Uh, one, Chris, was he a Hall of Famer? And has he jeopardized that now? Yeah, he would have been in the Hall of Fame for sure. I mean, this is his second positive test, so he's done in terms of Hall of Fame. He probably was done after the first test. And it's different than Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens where there's this uh, suspicion. And, you know, they never had a positive test, and it was never legal in the game. This is illegal now, and he's broken it twice. So he easily would have been a first ballot guy, and now he's not getting in at all, and it's because of repeated offenses. And this was a very obvious drug that he took. Um, this is one that's very easy to uh, to, to detect. So um, just made some bad decisions, and he's going to pay the consequences. All right, that'll do it for us here on NSN Daily. For Chris Murray and Anthony Resnick, I'm Brian Samudio. We'll see you next time.